Hello, it's Paul Scott here, UK small caps commentator and investor. I've been doing this for my living for 20 years, and prior to that, I was a CFO of a uh, ladies' wear chain with about 150 shops. Did that for eight years. So, um, for anyone who doesn't know me, that is. So, I write the um, small cap value reports on Stockopedia each week, ably assisted by Graham Neary, of course, who is absolutely brilliant, I think. Um, this is our weekly summary. So on Monday, I published three articles. The first one was a transcript of an interview I did with Jay Wright, the CEO of Virgin Wines, ticker V-I-N-O. Now, the write-up, uh, obviously that's just for people behind the um, Stockopedia paywall, it only got nine thumbs up. So that was a bit disappointing. So that clearly, clearly wasn't a good use of my time spending several hours typing that up. So we do look at the thumbs up. So if you like any content on Stockopedia particularly, give it a thumbs up because we gauge whether <clears throat> what to spend our time on based on, on the thumbs up. And obviously there's some excellent uh, other writers on the site as well. So have a rummage through for their stuff. And if you like it, give it a thumbs up. I also posted the podcast summary for last week on Monday. Now that got 59 thumbs up, so that, that is worth doing. So I'll keep doing the written summary of these podcasts on Stockopedia. Now, Monday's Small Cap Valley report, um, the inevitable happened, unfortunately. Jules, J-O-U-L, appointed administrators, which we knew was going to happen because they previously indicated that they were about to do that. Now, um, <clears throat> The uh, rather than sort of brushing things under the carpet, when stocks that I've previously held uh, go bust, I like to really um, pick over the, the the entrails and look at the warning signs. Now, obviously, with Jules, there were warning signs of plenty, that, but I think you've got to differentiate between a business trading badly, which happens to lots of companies from time to time, and a business that's actually uh, at risk of going bust. Because they're, they're two linked but quite different uh, risks, I think. So I, I spent Monday's report um, picking over the various problems at, at Jules and also look at the reader comments section where we went into more detail about the timeline of what happened when and where when was the right time to get out. And we had some really interesting opinions from the readers there. A lot of people saying with, uh, with these things you know, the smaller, riskier shares that stop losses are really worth having, even if it's either an automatic one or um, a uh, just something that flags you up, like a, you can you can set those on Stockopedia uh, to, to give you just an email or an alert to say that something's dropped whatever percentage below your purchase price. Although the trouble is purchase prices are a bit arbitrary, aren't they? You know, does it is is it really anything meaningful from when the point you happen to buy at? I don't know. I but but obviously in a deep bear market, then everybody's saying stop losses would have made a lot of sense, and they're right. <laughs> there's no there's no getting away from that. But uh, we didn't know a year ago that it was about to be a, a very very deep bear market, and the trouble is, I think with stop loss, they take you out of good stocks. Well, just on on normal sort of market dips. So, but it's an, it's an ongoing debate that that is very interesting. I think probably the key point for me with Jules was I think it was in July when KPMG debt advisors were appointed. Now, I did flag that up in one of um, several comments over the summer where I said, look, the, the risk of insolvency has now become too great at Jules. And that's why I sold out around about that point. It only ended up being a few pence per share I got back. But at least it's something. And I think also then you don't have the worry. Um, so for me personally, if, if solvency risk is really... Uh, an issue at any company I'm in, then then I'm gone, and it doesn't really matter to me whether I've lost most of my money. I'd rather I I just want it off the books, so I don't have to worry about it. 
The other big one, obviously, that crops up with Jules and with quite a few other things that have been disastrously bad is major director selling. This, again, we, we discussed in, in Monday's um, Small Cap Value Report, so a very good discussion to have a look at and contribute. Now, I also looked at Cakebox, C-B-O-X, um, this put out interim results. It trades from 196 sites, so quite a significant chain rolling out quite fast, doing these, uh, are they dairy-free or... No, egg-free, egg-free, I think, cakes, personalised <clears throat> toppings and messages on top, you know, for celebrations and so on. Now, the H1 profits were down a lot, 45% decrease in profit before tax. Now, the company blamed macro factors, but actually that wasn't the cause of the profit drop. It was that admin costs went up 52% from 3.9 million to 5.9 million. So I flagged that up in Monday's report. That's a hell of an increase. Um, and its balance sheet is okay. The dividends were up. So I've got mixed feelings on this one. It also had major director selling a while back, just before some really uh, serious problems were flagged up by the auditor. And I, I think, you know, they've got, they've got a new um, CFO in who is, is apparently making lots of changes. Um, I still can't quite shake off a feeling of unease about this company. And where are the profits coming from? Again, I flagged up the fact it looks to me like they're making pretty much the entire profits from selling new franchise packages rather than ongoing recurring revenue. And that is much lower quality uh, profits than it would be if it was coming from ongoing revenues. So I've, there's still a bit of a question mark for me over Cakebox, although the concept looks quite interesting. I think they should do low sugar or zero sugar cakes as well, because uh, like a lot of people, I'm diabetic, um, brought on, entirely brought on by, by poor lifestyle, I'm afraid, too sedentary, eating far too many sugary foods and obviously all the booze. So um, it seems to me, though, that it's very difficult to avoid lots of sugar in pretty much everything, even savoury uh, food these days. You look on the labels and they put bloody sugar in savoury sauces you know it's so it's so difficult to avoid sugar maybe that's in a niche that cakebox could uh, have a look at expanding into so but recent trading was good with cakebox um and they say they're in line but obviously full year profits are forecast to be significantly lower than last year's actual profits so i'm not entirely convinced by cakebox but i think it's got good bull arguments and some some bear arguments as well so make your own mind up on that one as always what we do with the small cap value reports is just hell loads of ideas at you um and if you don't think our judgment is very good as one or two people told me at uh, mellow this week which is which is fine i've had a terrible year the last year so i i take that completely on the chin if you don't well don't read the my opinion section that's all i said to them you know we, we, we for each company we'll dissect the balance sheet the cash flow you know look at all the numbers whatever and if and just stop at that point if if you if you don't think my opinions of any uh, interest to you don't read it disregard it which is fine we don't, we don't, we don't, we're not tipping. We don't expect you to follow uh, our opinions. We're just hurling ideas at you and just giving a view at that point in time. And of course, a year later, the circumstances may have completely changed. So obviously our views change. Now I looked at SRT. This is um, SRT Marine Services. The ticker is SRT. Oh God, this is such a tricky one. Um, just a serial um, Jam Tomorrow company. It's been listed now 17 or 18 years. Um, always dangling the prospect of huge 
profits and huge pipeline that gets bigger and bigger and bigger every year. Um, but it never seems to produce sustainable profits. Anyway, it produced what were fantastic H1 results on Monday. Um, really, really good. So they've had. So is it the beginning of a you know a massive uptrend? The outlook comments were seemed even more outlandish in terms of the pipeline. It says they've got over two hundred million in um, uh, potential contracts that haven't quite been signed. You know, it's always the same, isn't it? And six hundred million in total validated pipeline. I think that people's views on this tends to depend on how long you've been investing. People like me who followed this company from when it first listed are just really, really sceptical because we've heard it all before over 17 years. But newer investors um, and people who are just very optimistic in nature take the company's potential at, at face value and think, yes, this thing could be amazing. It's got 86 million market cap, which is very high. It clearly needs to do another placing. I've got my notes here and I've said weak BS. And when I say that, I'm talking about balance sheet, not something else. <laughs> so if I were uh, Simon Tucker, who's a lovely man, he's very, very personable, I would get another placing done. Um, what he's done is he's got a very interesting financing function. For, uh, you interesting loans from LGB Capital Markets, who seem to be taking equity risk, but um, providing it as secured loans um, at quite affordable rates, but between 8 and 10%, and they're drawing down tranches of that. That seems actually quite a good way of funding a more speculative company. So I, I would just question why they're doing it and giving, not getting equity type returns if it works, but taking the same sort of risk. So I don't know. It's got it just the trouble is SRT just doesn't seem to have any visibility uh, because it's depending on uh, national governments. Um, I don't know. It could go either way. So I don't have a, a, a strong opinion on it either way. It'd be nice to see SRT succeed, though, I think. Bear in mind also it's capitalising a lot of costs into the balance sheet. So two and a half million costs, cap development spending capitalised. So the accounting is quite aggressive. That's just in H1. And it definitely needs more cash. The other th key thing is it reports bumper revenues and profits, but the uh, revenues haven't turned into cash. You've got a massive, well, very large receivables balance sitting on the balance sheet as uncollected. So I'd want to see that uh, receivable turn into cash. Graham looked at a couple of shares, uh, MEGP used to be PhotoMe, and Winstay, W-Y-N. So that's Monday's report. Right, moving on to Tuesday, I've got to pick up the pace of it here as well. So I looked at Gear for Music, G4M. I'm not currently in this one. I've done very, very well on it in the past, but uh, it's had huge surges up to about eight quid and then gone all the way back down again. It's currently near the all-time low since it's been listed, but it's a much, much bigger company than, of course, it was when it listed. So you're getting a lot more for your money. The big question mark with these, with a, with a lot of these e-commerce businesses is whether <clears throat> what we're seeing now is the new normal, i.e. hardly any profit on big revenues, or whether this is a sort of hangover from the pandemic uh, boosted years where GIF Music in particular had a huge boost over the pandemic. So maybe, uh, so is it going to normalise at a higher level of trading or are we at the new normal? That's the big question I think for pretty much all e-commerce companies. Uh, I don't know the answer obviously because my space, my time travelling spaceship is in for servicing at the moment so I haven't been able to go to the future and find out but I would say that um, <clears throat> I don't know. I think a lot of these e-commerce shares are so bombed out at the moment that there's got to be value in there somewhere. And at some point, I'm going to go through them all. 
um, and, and try and work out which ones uh, might bounce the most. The other thing is with with some of the bigger ones, you're seeing short covering bounces, which I think is probably what we've had in Boohoo. I'm not currently holding that because, I mean, it, it went up 50% from the lows and I thought, hmm. I don't know. It's only a tiny position anyway, so I thought, well, let let's bank that and 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 go into something else that hasn't bounced. But they're they're, they're trivial amounts of money, so it, it doesn't really matter either way. Um, so yeah, I still think e-commerce could be very very interesting, but they've got big cost headwinds, and if you see some recovery, and also there's evidence from quite a few trading statements at the moment that actually people are, are wanting to go physically shopping again and going into high streets. Which is very interesting, I think. Card Factory put out a lovely update. I'll come on to that in a minute. Sorry, jumping about a bit here. Now, Wynn Canton, W-I-N, also reported. This one was a previous mystery share here on my podcast because when it was around three quid, it's bounced about 25 or 30% since then. So you always have to say to yourself, don't you? Well, getting that sort of rebound, I think a lot of people will just will bank the money and move on. This is a trader's market, I think, at the moment. But... Um, it's still reasonably priced, so I think for, for long-term holders, um, I think Wing Canton is a very nice business. And I'd like to interview management, actually, so I must reach out to, to the company at some point. I think that would be a good one to interview. It's always interesting to hear about how these businesses work, I think, uh, logistic businesses, although they might be too busy to talk to a, a humble blogger, I don't know. Actually, it, it not dissimilar, um, Graham looked at DX Group. The ticket is DX and then a full stop. This is um, this has been a strange one. I won't go into all the history of that because we haven't got time. But Graham uh, covered it and um, potentially interesting. I don't know. Then he also looked at Red Centric RCN, which is not one that I know anything about. So that's Tuesday's report. Wednesday was an incredibly busy day this week um, because, of course, Mellow in Chiswick started. Uh, well, two day event Wednesday and Thursday. So um, Graham did um, a presentation there, which apparently went down very well. It was very interesting. I wasn't able to get there in time, unfortunately, because I was busy. So I wrote the small cap value report on my own on Wednesday so that Graham could focus on his, his mellow speech. Now, I'm going to take the unprecedented step of making <clears throat> Wednesday's report entirely mysterious. So all four companies in Wednesday's report are mystery shares. Yes, so, um, oh, hang on, let me turn that off. Right, yes, so that was a slightly mysterious sound because I thought they're not full-on mystery shares, but they're just a bit mysterious. So um, <clears throat> this is in. Um, this is very annoying for people who are not sub sub Stockopedia subscribers, but that's the idea. We want you to be Stockopedia subscribers. And a lot of people at Mellow collared me and saying, look, you're giving away all your best ideas free on the internet, Paul. We're paying a subscription to read the, the small cap value reports for um, lots of ideas to be thrown at us, for us to uh, sift through and pick the ones we think are the most interesting. So Wednesday's report is the key one to go for, I think, for... Four companies, that I think all of which look interesting. As always, they're not tips, they're not recommendations. We don't do that. We just dissect the numbers, flag it up to you and say, what do you think of these? And sometimes they float your boat, sometimes they don't. Also flagged in Wednesday's report that if you want some cheap modern furniture, uh, you can pick over the carcass of made.com. 
uh, they're disposing of the actual inventories at John Pye Auctions. And you're spelling Pye, P-Y-E. So that's John Pye Auctions, and they're selling everything off uh, imminently, it looks. So that might be uh, worth having a look at. So Mellow, oh God, it was just fantastic. This is held in Chiswick. Um, the main thing for me for Mellow is uh, the social aspect of it. I just love getting together with people that, you know, it's a lovely community. And I reckon I must have probably chatted over a drink to, to most of the people there, actually. I was going to make a list of everybody I had a, a nice, friendly chat with and, and, and name check everyone. But I mean, it just it would just it would just take up the rest of the podcast. Such a, a, a lovely community, really, really nice people. And I heard uh, you know, a lot of very positive feedback from everyone. So thanks for that. And also, you know, a couple of people, no, a lot of people said as well, we're giving away too much free, like I mentioned. So I've taken that on board um, <clears throat> and I've taken board all your comments. Lots of really, really smart investors giving me advice sometimes on, on things that I'm doing wrong and, you know, take it all on board. I think it was Michael who suggested I put a, make a sort of fridge magnet uh, of, of, of five simple rules to follow. Number one being no gearing. And I'm going to follow up on that. I think that's a really good, a really good idea. Um, so I thoroughly enjoyed everyone's company. So thanks for coming along to that. Lots of really good speakers as well. I didn't, as I said, I didn't see many of the speakers because I had to get the, the small cap report done. But a lot of people saying, Andy Bruff was brilliant and Judith McKenzie, I think, went down very, very well. And quite a few other, um, Ed, uh, the boss here, of course, gave a really interesting talk um, about the, uh, the segment of the market in terms of quality, value, momentum that we should be focusing on. Um, now, one thing I did get roped into at Mellow on Wednesday was the Stock Slam. And these are organised by Damien Cannon, and they're, they're, they're meant to be fun. It's not too serious. And basically, 12 people all do a three-minute three minute, minute pitch for a stock they think look, looks interesting, and they just tell us the pros and cons of it and so on. Well, I did. Um, I thought, I've got to focus on house builders because they are so cheap at the moment. Well, the whole sector's trading way below net tangible asset value. They've got brilliant balance sheets. You know, they're, they're utterly bulletproof. They can ride out pretty much any downturn, I think. And personally, I don't think the downturn in house prices is likely to actually be that bad for a variety of reasons I've covered here before. So the one I chose was a more defensive one at the bottom end of the market, Starter Homes, MJ Gleason. So... Um, I gave the bullet points on that. Then, of course, Sod's Law being what it was, what happened as soon as Mellow finished? They'd put out a profit warning. <laughs> Isn't that just typical? But but the interesting thing, that was on Friday, but the interesting thing is with Gleason, it only dropped, it dropped 10% on the profit warning uh, in the morning, and then it recovered half of that. Now, this is one of the more interesting signals that I think I mentioned in last week's podcast, that when the market starts taking profit warnings in its stride and only having a very minor effect on share price. That, to me, is a key signal that I've been looking for, that we're probably, macro factors could blow this out the water, but that we could be near maximum negative sentiment. Um, and it was obvious, you know, the housing market's slowing. We all know the housing market's slowing. So why would you sell a, a house builder that comes out and says, oh, the housing market is selling? It's obvious. So anyway, it hasn't changed my view of MJ Gleason in the slightest. I covered it in a fair bit of detail on in, in Friday's report, actually, where I compared it with what happened in 2008 financial crisis. And there was an interesting angle on that. Again, have a look at Friday's report um, if you want to see more about that. 
First, it was another pretty manic day. Um, Graham and I managed to jointly put out um, the small cap value report, despite having to focus on Mellow as well. Um, I felt really rough on Thursday, even though I'd only had a, a relatively small number of pints the night before. But uh, I don't drink beer anymore, so um, uh, people buying me pints and so on on, Thursday, on Wednesday night did take its toll a little bit. But despite that, I managed to type up an instant response to the autumn statement. Jeremy Hunt gave um, this, this speech in Parliament, which I had on on the telly, jotted down the key points and got that out pretty much in real time in Thursday's Small Cap Valley report. The main things, um, again, I'm not, I'm not going to cover the politics on it. Very tempted to, but I'm not going to, because you've all got your own views on that. And um, it seems to be a mixture of half and half of tax rises and spending cuts. Um, now, it was notable that investors are really... Uh, being targeted in this, they're, they're effectively almost phasing out the dividend allowance, going from two grand to one grand to five hundred pounds. So that's a waste of time. And the same for CGT allowance, which I was quite surprised at, uh, dropping from twelve point three k to six k, then to three k. So basically, they're more or less phasing out uh, the CGT allowance. I don't think we get indexation anymore for inflation either. So that makes capital gains tax now really quite a nasty tax that means you'll be you'll be paying taxes on things that have just gone up in value with inflation that doesn't seem right to me but anyway look there we are high earners are also being hit with the uh, dropping of the 45 percent rate threshold down to 125k you've also got that ridiculous anomaly from 100 to 125k when the personal allowance is removed so the whole system's been buggered up i think doesn't make a lot of sense they're freezing personal allowances again for another two years. So that's another huge stealth tax that they're hoping nobody notices. Uh, big windfall taxes as well on the electricity generators uh, and increasing the energy company um, windfall tax from 25 to 35%. Personally, I don't have a problem with that. I know some people are saying, oh, it's going to dissuade investment. But the oil companies themselves and the electricity generators, some of them are saying, look, we should be paying more tax because we're getting ridiculous profits. So I think um, I think that makes a lot of sense, personally. Um, what will be, will be. Uh, <clears throat> various other things. So purely from an investor's point of view, this is obviously making it much more uh, a focus for people who haven't opened an, an ISA to get your 20 grand a year into, into an ISA, to take it out of the scope of... Um, uh, <clears throat> capital gains tax and also the other thing is of course I mean they haven't hit pension schemes this time round but how long is it going to be before they get rid of top rate tax relief from money you put into pensions it's only a matter of time before they come for that isn't it I mean this this budget could have come from Gordon Brown I don't see any difference whatsoever in uh, oh no look I'll, I'll stop talking about politics sorry Graham um, wrote up the early sections on Begbie's and BEG, Begbie's trainer, insolvency firm, and Finsbury Foods, FIF, both of those quite interesting companies. Uh, I looked at WATR, which is Water Intelligence, which put out a good update, so see Thursday's report for that. Also, an, uh, a jam tomorrow, heavily cash-burning thing called Ilica, I-K-A. Um, I've never thought anything much of that one. I remember visiting their site all the people in lab coats and machines with lots of pipes and wires coming out of them behind glass screens all looks very space agey but they've never delivered anything of any commercial value so far and uh, the cash burn rate seems to be getting higher and higher 
only a matter of time before they come for, for more cash, I think, on that one. Also, another house builder I looked at, Press Nicholson, CRST, looks fabulous. Um, I really like the house builders right now because they're pricing in, a, you know, a severe, quite a severe downturn in the housing market, which may not happen, in my view, because nominal, nominal incomes are rising a lot, mortgage rates are already falling, and fixed rates are now more manageable. But of course, you can get tracker rates, discounted tracker rates that I think people will switch to. I say that every week. But housing is still affordable, I think, for people who can come up with a decent deposit. And um, and there's a structural shortage and a lot of demand. But we'll see. It could go either way, couldn't it? Now, Graham came to my rescue on Friday because normally I do Friday on my own. But uh, I, did, I think we didn't leave the bar till about 1pm. So Graham uh, messaged me in the morning and said, could you do with a little help today, Paul? I said, yes, please. So first of all, I dealt with a profit warning for MJ Gleason, now, uh, which I just covered before. It says the cancellation rate has shot up recently. Again, shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone, given all the chaos and... Uh, political and macro factors on the news and so on, it's bound to uh, affect people's confidence, isn't it? The interesting thing with Gleason, though, it should be protected from a downturn because they're saying people are going to trade down. So people who might have gone for a bigger, more expensive house will now start looking at uh, Gleason's cheaper houses, which I think the average selling price is only about 170 grand. Remember, these are a mixture of two, three and four bedroom Houses. I mean, they're very small. They're cleverly designed, but they are, you know, the footprint, the square footage of them is small, but they pack in as many bedrooms as they can into them. Uh, but, you know, perfectly great things for for uh, first time buyers. Most of their customers are first time buyers, as I, as I quipped at Mellow as well when I was doing this in the stock slab. Um, a lot of a large number of um, the purchases of MJ Gleason's houses, ticker GLE, are um, key workers. So um, Lillian, I think it was in the audience at Mellow, asked, you know, are they in sort of rough areas? And I said, well, what do you expect for 160, 170 grand average selling price? They're not going to be leafy suburbs, are they? I said it, you know, tongue in cheek. But I did point out that if, you know, if you did require the emergency services, you'll probably have them on hand in your own cul-de-sac. <laughs> so uh, that was just a lighthearted comment. But anyway, Graham uh, came to my rescue a bit on Friday. He covered Lion Trust Asset Management and North Amber. So we actually got a decent report out Friday and I think we did quite well considering we were spending a lot of the week socialising with other investors. Just some quick comments then on macro news, things I've jotted down on my pad during the week. Um, I'd like to comment on some very weird moves in particular in some small to mid caps going on at the moment. Uh, for example, Ocado, OCDO, and Aston Martin Lagonda, AML, where we saw what, to me, looked like pretty ferocious uh, short squeezes. They went up an unrealistically uh, high percentage. Ocado was partly linked to a, um, a contract win abroad. Um, some odd things going on at the moment. As I say, these do look a bit to me like short squeezes. I'm not, I'm still not convinced the market's permanently turned a corner for UK small caps. I don't know about the major indices. They could, they could, they do, they're, they're different in a way. So I'm currently still of the view that we might be seeing a bit of a, a bear capped, uh, a bear market rally in UK smaller caps. I think some of these big bounces on quite, quite a lot of the things we've covered, actually, a lot of the mystery shares that I've covered and where I've done CEO interviews. I don't think I've actually caused or influenced the price rises. There's no evidence of that because, um, you know, I, I, 
I cover companies where they've just put out a positive RNS. So, of course, there are going to be buyers in the market. It's not linked to me saying anything about it. But a lot of the stuff we've covered over the last three or four months has actually bounced quite strongly from, from the bottom. So it'll be interesting to see if those bounces hold, won't it? Um, now, on the macro news, so, so yeah, some, some um, I don't know, US inflation, so there was some more data on that this week showing that that seems to be easing. Although the UK went the other way, we went up to 11.1% inflation. Obviously, this is going to drop. There are lots of reasons, factual reasons, why we're probably at or near peak inflation as previous increase increases annualised and China is now going to be sort of exporting disinflationary pressures. Also, bear in mind the US dollar has weakened considerably against um, sterling and the euro. So, I mean, <laughs> I think it was Nick Kelsall of Norcross joked that his South African division are ringing him up and asking him what the hell's going on in the UK. You know, our, our currency and political um, situation, we seem to be acting more like a, an emerging market economy than a, than a major economy. So I thought that was, it was partly tongue in cheek, but he's got a point, hasn't he? So sterling bottomed out at 105 against the dollar. It's now about 119. And that's all happened in, in what, about a month or something? So some pretty crazy moves in um, exchange rates. And I'm not, you know, I'm not saying I understand or know anything about it. But I'm just pointing it out because obviously sterling strengthening against the US dollar Quite, by quite a big amount. It's very beneficial for us in terms of um, that's going to be uh, disinflationary. So I'm actually, so, so you can see reasons why stock markets are starting to be a bit more um, positive. Now, um, now base rates in the UK, I think, look set imminently to go up from 3% to 3.5%. Some uh, analysts are saying that the, the peak at 45 to 4.75%, maybe. I don't know. We'll have to see on that. That strikes me as maybe a bit too high. Personally, I don't know. I can't see any reason why the central banks would be aggressively hiking, particularly as it's driven by the US, which has now seen inflation starting to fall. So I don't know. None of, we, none of us know anything about this, do we? Okay, that's covered nearly everything. The autumn statement I've already covered. I think it's designed to pacify the gilt markets. I won't read you what I've put next to that, <laughs> or I'd have to tick the profanity box on the uh, podcast settings. Um, I just think you've got this ridiculous misalignment of what the government's doing, what the Bank of England are doing. They're pulling in different directions. It doesn't make any sense at all to me. But anyway, there we are. Interesting news from the NHS as well now, saying the long-term sick rates are affecting labour markets. Um, with 7 million people on waiting lists for various procedures, um, which is obviously horrendous, um, this is affecting the availability of, of labour, which is, um, we've got quite significant labour shortages. Um, Brexit can't have helped in that regard as well, although of course something like 6 million people did get uh, leave to remain. So, um, uh, but but the and of course the whole point of it was to restrict the supply of cheap labour so that wages have to go up. Um, but it is that is undoubtedly causing um, operational problems for quite a few companies. Uh, I think as well. Bear in mind, other countries are also in a mess. The media in the UK are so parochial; they only talk to us about what's going on in the UK as if it's isolated. It isn't. There are demonstra demonstrations and high inflation and problems with healthcare systems. I wouldn't say everywhere, but in, in many, many other countries, this is not unique to us. I think sometimes it's worth looking at the English language versions of foreign papers in France, Germany, you know, Holland or anywhere else. And of course, the US seems to be permanently in a mess, doesn't it? 
um, as as do lots of other countries. So, uh, you know, it's not these are not UK specific problems by any means. Another point I jotted down is I think there are some signs of institutions selling for redemptions. You know, when equity markets go really soft, you do get a lot of people pulling their money out. People tend to sell at completely the wrong time when they should probably be adding. And, and and they add money when a fund is outperforming and, you know, peaking. So um, I think particularly with the micro caps and the nano caps, some of the things I'm in, you know, there's obvious signs of distressed selling, just people dumping, you know, repeated tranches at pretty much any price they can get because they've given up on it and it's someone else's money. That's the thing that annoys me a bit about this. You know, a new fund manager will come in for somebody who's been sacked and just dump his holdings and it's almost a badge of honour to get rid of them at the lowest point because you can say well you know that just shows what bad stock picks they were whereas actually if you hadn't been selling the price may have held up better so i think that's pretty much everything i've got to cover this week i'm trying to keep these down to about 30 minutes um as i say i i loved mellow chiswick um it just is a wonderful thing to get together with loads of people who you know i haven't seen for three years in many cases um, I thoroughly enjoyed everyone's company and met loads of new people as well. Um, and I, I think I thanked everyone in person who subscribes to Stockopedia because, you know, we, we I, I'm not privy to what the subscriber numbers are, but, you know, in a bear market, I'm sure they will have gone down. So the people who are still with us and still supporting us, thank you very much indeed. We really appreciate it. And we'd love um, some new people to join up as well. All right, then, I'll leave it there. Thanks for listening, and as always, do give me some feedback in the comments. Um, I love to hear what people think. All right, then, bye for now.